Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode was sponsored by Girls Can Crate, a subscription box inspiring girls to believe that they can be and do anything. Real women make the best heroes, and every month they deliver them to your front door. Hi, Olivia. Hi, Katie. In this bonus episode, I have for you some little nuggets of audio captured by Emily Stoll on our recent adventure. Ooh, our Lost Women of England tour was just, I mean, what is the word? Pure joy, perfect bliss, adventure, and misadventure. (laughs) (laughs) Only one misadventure. Wonder and marvel and the best bunch of women's history geeks ever. In in history. uh, In history. So in this bonus episode, we get to reflect and listen to some of our highlights. But what I love about group travel, small group travel, is that there is no one highlight. Like every person has a different highlight on Mm -hmm. the trip and it reflects the individual. And it's just so fun because we share each other's magic and excitement and every little thing becomes a highlight. Yeah. I mean, we all know. Westminster Abbey was the ultimate highlight for everyone, <laughs> but I will accept that some other people may pretend. I I must <laughs> I must say that. Well, we'll see. We'll see as we <laughs> if we recall through one at a time. Your mind will be blown, and you'll go, "No, wait, this was the highlight. Yeah, no, that no, was a highlight. Everything fact, was perfect. Yeah, everything was unbelievable." In fact, I think people said to me at various times on the trip, I keep saying this is my favorite thing, but then we do another thing and I go, oh no, this is my favorite thing. And then I remember <sighs> what we did three days ago and go, wait, oh wait, I forgot about that. That was, yeah. yeah. This this style of travel, quirky, you know, off the beaten track <laughs> destinations that are thrilling if you know the story about them. Right. You know, this is definitely my style. This is the way that I do study abroad. And Mm. this is the way I personally travel all the time. And I realized when I was reflecting on this trip, like so many life-defining moments, that this aspect of my life began in a library. (gasps) (laughs) And I must give credit where credit is due. I had recently moved to England This is years ago now. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have Wi-Fi or phone or like nothing. We didn't have furniture. (laughs) Nothing was set up in our apartment. And so we would walk 
to the local library in Royal Leamington Spa mm. every day in order to use the computers there to contact home. Right. And, <laughs> and, you know, libraries are this place of comfort for mm. so many of us. And I was just walking through the stacks. And this book just caught my eye. Little hardback book called Far From the Sodding Crowd. <laughs> I thought, what? And I pulled it off the shelf. And it changed my life, this mm. book. It was just a little travel book for, you know, written by British people for British people. Right. But it was just promoting a different style of travel. Quirky, tiny, off the beaten track, weird places mm. rather than all the big mainstream places. And I just devoured it. And then I visited all the places in the book. It really helped me to discover what my style of travel is to mm. to go far from the sodding crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I weirdly had a very similar experience when we moved to China, ah. finding those weird little small nobody goes there locations that became some of our favorite places to go. Mm. It makes for a much more meaningful, beautiful experience, I think. Mm. Wonderful if you know what you're looking at. That's the trick. You got to kind of know know the backstory before you get there yeah so luckily for us we had all these episodes of what's her name podcast to educate <laughs> us about these destinations before we go there let's huh. relive them let's do it i'm katie nelson and i'm olivia mickle and this is what's her name fascinating women you've never heard of Right off the bat, right out of the gate of the airport, <laughs> I think this might have been my highlight. It was a completely off the beaten track <laughs> destination. Martin Green's farm, mm. meeting Martin Green himself and seeing the place where he discovered Cranborn yeah. Woman and yeah. just marching around the acres, <laughs> following Martin Green around. In Swindon, in North Wiltshire, uh, there's what's called the National Monuments Record, which houses a huge um, collection of aerial photographs of Britain and, and uh, historic houses and things like that as well. It's sort of like the record of ancient monuments in, the, in this country. And they, um, they've got over half a million aerial photographs and most of which have, uh, you know, archaeological significance. And I was in there one day just hunting down the sort of grid squares for my patch, really, and I was just looking through what, what cover had previously taken place. And I saw a number of features just to the south of my farm, one of which consisted of this ring of dots, like pin pinpricks, with a blob in the middle. Now, I could work out the rough um, diameter of that. It was about 35 metres. And I, I was sort of astonished when I saw that. And I thought, wow, what, what the hell is this? You know, it's sort of, is it some kind of prehistoric temple? And um, it was clearly a ring of pits with a massive pit about 10 metres wide in the centre. So that, uh, I was drawn to it. And I, uh, I thought, this, this looks, you know, really quite, quite unusual, to say the least. And so that's why I, I decided to excavate there. I wondered, in fact, whether the ring of dots may have been a stone, stone hole, so like, like some kind of ancient stone monument, like Stonehenge or something like that, a smaller version, obviously. Um, and uh, I excavated there, and it did turn out to be this incredible Neolithic temple, 
uh, and the central feature consisted of a huge pit, a metre and a half deep, uh, by um, uh, about uh, 10 metres wide. Uh, and cut down one side of it was a shaft almost seven metres deep. And cut into the flat bottom pit right at the end of the dig, I located this grave, as it turned out, and it had been very carefully hidden away in the edge of this much bigger feature, and we almost missed it. And I was only just sort of tidying up at the end of the dig, and I noticed the chalk was a bit loose at one point, and I started going a bit deeper, and I thought, oh, there's, there's some sort of feature here. And it turned out to be the grave of this woman and, and, and three children. Mm. Uh, and um, during the um, excavation, we were being filmed by a crew called the Meet the Ancestors team. It was a television programme for BBC Two. And um, uh, this, of course, threw them into great uh, <laughs> excitement <laughs> because the reason they were there is that we had a Bronze Age skeleton early in the dig, which drew them to the site. Uh, but this much um, late discovery was, was a, a Neolithic group, much older, probably a good 2,000 years older than our Bronze Age skeleton. So that was much more exciting than the Bronze Age man. So the, the Bronze Age um, skeleton was just sort of left on the cutting room floor. And then all the input <laughs> went into this, the woman and the three children. And as you know, they did the pioneering isotopic work on it and told this extraordinary story. It was a stunning, stunning discovery. Uh, and it all came about from me going through those aerial photographs that... Uh, what, what inspired you to do that, to take that step? Um, because I just wanted to know more about my own patch, really. Yeah, oh. yeah. So you've been doing archaeology since mm -hmm. you were about... Yeah, since I was a lad. Oh. And it's just something I got really passionate about. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and, um, it, you know, I love it. I was mm. going to ask if there's if there's anything left to be excavated. Oh, yes, there is. Yeah. yeah. On your land? Yeah, there is still, still stuff. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it's all out there. And I've only really scratched the surface in the little bit that I've done. But because I've worked in a very tight area, not just my own farm, but uh, the surrounding area, my neighbours, near neighbours and so forth, we've been able to get a lot of high-resolution re data for this area. Uh, one of my good friends is an environmental archaeologist, and he's taken samples from many of my sites, and he's built up a very detailed picture of the ancient landscape in this area. Is it Mike Allen? Mike Allen, that's yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, you, uh, you know Mike. I just, well, I just think he's heroic for all of that just back-breaking labor, <laughs> that's doing right. such a tiny, minute thing. A absolutely, yeah, that's right, sieving... Um, tons of soil down to the consistency of sugar and identifying fragments of microscopic snails yeah. under the microscope. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's heroic. It is heroic. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Ah, for me, Martin Green was like a celebrity in my mind. Hmm. I mean, I was completely just fangirling, just meeting him and hearing the story of how he yeah. discovered it. <laughs> and his amazing museum that exceeded everyone's expectations. Oh, yeah. Oh, I absolutely loved it. And he was exactly perfect. As soon as he walked out of the door, I went, oh, yes, that is the guy who did this. That's what he looks like. That's who he is. Yes. Ah, oh, and then at the end, he gave us all fossils oh. from the farm. Yes. Oh, crying. Amazing. And then on to Salisbury. Yay. Olivia's favorite place. Yeah. 
You got to see your beloved cathedral? Yes, stand in awe of the ridiculous tower that shouldn't exist. And have tea in that garden directly (sighs) across from the spire. I mean, absolutely perfect. And then those two adorable guides in the Salisbury Museum. (laughs) We're just there to see Cranbourne Woman. We just want to see the skeleton. They had more fun than we did in that museum. Oh, well, and I think they didn't know why we were there, really. And so (laughs) the moment when he was kind of showing our first little group around, and he said, and here's, you know, here is this Neolithic skeleton that was found nearby on Down Farm, and and there was a a literal gasp. I mean, everyone... (laughs) There she is! There she and everyone is. ran, and I could see his face going, wait, what's happening here? Wait. <laughs> but then just totally thrilled that we were so thrilled to be in the presence of Cranborn Woman. Oh, man. Oh, that was just awesome. Just awesome. And I, you know, Salisbury is one of my favorite places, and I had no idea that museum was there. It's literally across the street from the cathedral, and I had never heard of its existence. Absolutely. So, everybody listening, next time you're in Salisbury, go Go across the the street. (laughs) And then on to Bath, where the next morning, straight to Sally Lunds for a glorious brunch and meeting with Simon. (sighs) I ordered the Welsh rarebit. With bacon. Mm. Mm. I ordered two because I do what I want. Right. So I had a smoked salmon something that was divine and a lemon curd something that was divine. Uh-huh. Lemon curd and clotted cream. That's what it was. And Yum. I will say I can absolutely tell the difference between the top of a Sally Lun bun and the bottom of a Sally Lun bun. They are different. Right. And so they serve them differently. Yeah. Sweet things on the top. Yep. Savory things on the bottom. It works. So delicious. And we got to see the nook above the fireplace where the recipe was discovered. Then the next day in Bath, the Herschel Museum, all to ourselves. (gasps) Wasn't that awesome? Amazing. We just like rolled up and knocked on the door. (laughs) Knocked on Caroline Herschel's door. (laughs) Joseph Middleton answers, and in we go. To just hang out in her house as long as we want. For some reason, it was just extra thrilling when he said, Well, this house is yours. You reserved it for the morning, so do what you want. (laughs) Again, kind of a little gasp from everyone, like, Yeah, like, what? (laughs) As Kate said, I presume you've all heard the podcast or read a little bit about Caroline and William and their story. Well, the first thing, just to put it into context again, William and Caroline were living in this house on and off from 1777 to 1782 primarily as musicians. That was their first career, and they came from a musical family from Hanover. And they're very popular and busy here in Bath, putting on concerts and shows, teaching music, and also playing the religious music on Sundays at the Sunday church services. So when you go around the city centre, you'll see places like the assembly rooms, you'll see you know, the Theatre Royal, you'll see the pump rooms, you'll see what was called the Oxford Chapel, which is a restaurant now. There's all these places. These would all be familiar to William and Caroline while they're playing here in Bath. And even a number of the pleasure gardens, which would have been around at the time, Sydney Gardens, for example. So they're a big part of our society. And it was in their spare time that they had this obsession of astronomy, 
telescopes and space. Now, just here in the room is a replica of the type of telescope that they would have made here in this house. And it's a seven-foot Newtonian reflector. Sometimes they made it out of mahogany, sometimes rosewood. But the big stuff, the interesting stuff, which the Herschels made inside with the mirrors and the eyepieces. And all of this would have been made here in this house. So you come through a front door where it's a nice sedate museum now. But if William and Caroline were here, they'd probably drag you downstairs to help them make their moulds or, you know, do a bit of polishing or, or whatever. So it wouldn't have been a quiet household. It's basically a factory downstairs. There'd be music lessons going on upstairs. And I've always wondered what the neighbours would have thought because they thought they were next <laughs> yeah. to some noisy musicians. But at the same time, there's all sorts of explosions and strange movements. Yeah. The Herschels were out in the garden at all times at night looking at things through a telescope. So I think they would have been thought as eccentrics. <laughs> to stand in the spot in the garden where they made major discoveries. Amazing. Yeah. And just to realize found... how tiny it is. Yes. That's what I love about it. There's, there's nothing like standing in the place where it happened. Mm. But the house here gives you a great sense of the whole Herschel story, who they were, their lives, their achievements. But if you think of this house just on its own, this is really sort of the, the Herschel sort of you know, straddling two eras of their life, the music and the astronomy, and of course the great turning point of discovering Uranus from that very garden here. And the other nice thing in that cabinet there, which we have, is Caroline's original gold medal from the King of Prussia. Mm. Um, and it's, she received it at the age of 96 in 1846, and that was for wow. her contributions to science. And one funny thing is that they got her birthday wrong. Um, so they thought her birthday was in like September, and her birthday's in March. So they had to apologise that they got her birthday wrong. Of course, <laughs> so she was, you know, very happy to receive it, and it really sums up, you know, how in her later years how highly respected she was as an astronomer. Where people, when she returned back to Hanover to William's passing, essentially people would go and visit her and basically see this esteemed astronomer who helped change the course of history. And that gold medal is one of the, the examples there. Day, something completely different. On to Warwick, hmm. where we stayed on the grounds of Warwick Castle in a medieval <laughs> village. <laughs> Amazing. So fun. And I think all of us actually had a pretty fun experience just meeting other travelers there, just other random strangers that were yeah. walking around the boardwalk <laughs> in the village. I mean, we, we ran into some delightful people that that we just kept running into and so oh. we were like best friends by the end but then everybody else had similar stories of running into people <laughs> so fantastic i went down and sat by the river avon and read my book and watched oh. watched tour members ride boats down the river oh. perfect and there were swans yep I mean, the castle itself is, of course, spectacular walking around inside. And, mm. and it's furnished inside in its Victorian heyday, which is when Ursula Bloom visited at Christmas time. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of fun walking around the grounds and picturing where on earth did Lady Warwick keep that elephant yes. that she bought <laughs> from a traveling salesman? <laughs> that would, if you annoyed it, would pick you up and 
gently place you on the other side of the hedge. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then from one castle to another castle, the next day, Bolsover Castle. And who can ever forget the drive to Bolsover Castle? (laughs) (laughs) Would that we could. (laughs) I mean, Britain is never hot. I swear, it's never hot. And the whole time in preparation, I was telling everybody, prepare for rain. Bring absolute (laughs) waterproof clothing. It's going to rain. It's going to be cold. And then it was sunny and roasting hot every day. I mean, we got sunburned. It was insane. But then the hottest day of all, the drive (laughs) and the longest drive of all, Bolsover Castle, that's when the AC on the coach doesn't work (laughs) to be fair it might not have worked for years and they would have never noticed because it's never hot (laughs) exactly they never needed it (laughs) that was outrageous poor steve our driver oh sweating buckets it was literally 37 degrees what is that in fahrenheit i don't know it was like 95 degrees oh it's like 90 it was so hot which actually, you know, it was one of those things where you say, yes, but the suffering made right. the happiness more happy. Adversity brought we... us together. <laughs> yeah. We're two hours on a roasting hot coach. <laughs> and then when we stepped off, oh, the Delightful. glorious breeze, <laughs> the shade of the castle grounds, and yet another castle we had just completely to ourselves. <laughs> Another thing I love about the style of travel is it it is the same thing I love about teaching interdisciplinary classes, that you have somebody in the group who knows about the thing that you're Mm. at and stuff that you wouldn't ever know. So when we have someone who knows all about horses and can tell us all about the importance of William Cavendish in modern horse culture and, and, you know, explain to us what we're looking at when we're looking at this is where they paraded the horses like I wouldn't have known any of that and I love that we can look at it and go this these stables are important yes this seems like a place where they did something with a horse and yeah (laughs) all everyone is learning from each other that's my favorite thing oh that's the beauty of it absolutely the beauty of it and I have a philosopher who's completely geeking out about (laughs) star Margaret Cavendish right And then York, ah. our home for four nights. I had also, never been there. Oh my! I think nobody in the group had been there. But mm. I don't. I don't know if we got the real York experience just because it was so packed yeah. with weddings and, <laughs> and hen nights and, and stag, stag nights parties, <laughs> nonstop, nonstop. <laughs> I think it was. I mean, it must have been England, you know, coming fully out of lockdown. Yeah. And it's a year's a worth year of weddings half. backed up, yeah. yeah. And a year's worth of parties. <laughs> pretty, pretty wild. Pretty <laughs> wild. It was a great mix of historical and modern. If that's what it would have felt like as a bustling medieval market town. Hey, absolutely. And we got to meet with Sharon Wright and talk Brontes. Yay! And the next day, all the medieval goodness of York. And of all the things... I think my my personal favorite was that little 
charity boot sale yes. I came across in the shambles. For the York Mystery where, Plays. Yes. And I purchased, of all things, a large old copper teapot. <laughs> Which and you then, then had to carry around. around. <laughs> and had to fit it in my, in my carry-on yep. all the way back home. I bought a bunch Worth of random it. small porcelain things, which I then had to figure out how to not break, but they all made it home. I should have bought a jar of jam from that sweet little lady. Homemade jam. Mm. Fancy a jam. I should have <laughs> bought some. But I was like, I'm already carrying this teapot. Yeah. <laughs> I know I can't fit it all. I buy the weirdest things. But it is now hanging in my kitchen and it's beautiful. So, it is beautiful. There. And then all I have to do is get you started. And I know that you will gush for an eternity. A day trip <laughs> to Nairsbrook. Well, I'm going to move there, first of all. <laughs> That's where I'm going to live now. Mm-hmm. I am not even joking. That's where I'm going to live now. <laughs> are you going to live on Mother Shipton's side of the river or are you going to live in the Is there the anything itself? on Mother Shipton's side of the river where I can live? I mean, there's a cave. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm planning on That's hiding all. out in the cave yeah. until, but. <laughs> <laughs> until they kick you out yes. every night. They won't notice. <laughs> I'll dress up like a statue. <laughs> it's just the ultimate picture postcard it's the platonic ideal of an english river town oh it is and jay stelling what a delight perfect the one the only jay stelling hello hello and welcome to yorkshire welcome to nairsborough i'm gonna take you on a walk through what was once the ancient royal forest of nairsborough here at mother shipton's cave um, and tell you a bit about the history of the town as well as we're going through. So, let's go. Let's go. So as people were so scared of this petrifying well, the weird well with the magic water that turns things to stone, they wouldn't come down this side of the river in Nairsborough. And back in 1488, there was a young woman, 15 years old, named Agatha. She was pregnant and she was banished from the town of Nairsborough for being slothful and idle. What does that even mean? (laughs) But she was not welcome in the town. They chucked her out and she had nowhere else to go. She was heavily pregnant and it was July. There was a thunderstorm, a terrible, awful thunderstorm, and she needed shelter. She found somewhere quiet. Mm. A small cave near the petrifying well that she knew would keep the visitors away. She would be on her own here. She would be safe, away from thunder, near a source of water, a perfect place to stay. So here she went. In this small cave, she gave birth to a small baby. But instead of crying, reports came that the baby cackled like a witch. There was a smell of sulphur in the air. And this baby was no ordinary baby. Apparently she was disfigured. And strange. Her nose, even though a baby, crooked. Her chin, almost reaching up to meet her nose. And this baby was named Ursula. So Agatha and Ursula lived in this cave for two years together. Two years in this cave, can you imagine? An incredible woman, and we still tell her story today. What a true delight 
one of my favorite things about the trip was just surprising our guests mm. with little gifts here and there as we travel to these different destinations but maybe my favorite was secretly ordering uh, a bunch of mother shipton handmade dolls from jay stelling because she makes dolls she's a doll maker they're like little um posable figures that she makes stop motion animation with they are utterly delightful they are amazing i love it so much and everybody got a little mother shipton to take home with them oh <sighs> And then, back in York, the Viking day. <laughs> we met first with Dr. Chris Tuckley. Dr. Chris Tuckley! Well, I, I, I guess by dint of where we are at the moment, I'll talk a little bit more about... Before we went into the Viking Center, and then all the most epic artifacts, and of course, the ride, the ride through. Viking York, complete with not just sound effects, not just visual effects, but smell effects. Smell effects. So brilliant. So the Coppergate woman was found in a mound. Archaeology offers a, a potential for shining a light onto this period and finding out about what was, what was going on, what were people up to, you know, what, kind of, what kind of activity was going on, what were people's lives like. Absolutely magical. And you finally got to see my favorite artifact of all time. <gasps> The Lloyds Bank Copper Light. The Lloyds Bank Copper Light. Just that is, I have to tell you that every single person that I know who has asked me about the tour after I got back has asked if I got to see the giant poo. So <laughs> it's not just your favorite artifact, it's everyone's favorite artifact. Well, perhaps that is the real highlight of the trip. Then. Yeah. <laughs> A giant fossilized poo zenith of the experience <laughs> <laughs> and genuinely archaeologically important <laughs> yes <laughs> ah then our fast train zipped us to london for a massive day of far from the sodding crowd <laughs> first stop the old operating theater museum and herb garrett with ah. dr monica walker again another place all to ourselves so amazing to explore as we please, and it's so fun to just sit there in the actual operating theater and have Monica talk about <laughs> James Berry's time and where he would have learned how to amputate a leg. In under 60 <laughs> seconds. Yes. Um, so that's when, when, when James Berry actually entered the medical profession. She was about 17 years old. So, and that was already really too old, but also that And then on to three cemeteries. Count them. One, two, three. And that's what you do when you have a day in London. <laughs> that's what you do when you're with me and you have a day in London, for sure. <laughs> what do you even do if you're not visiting three cemeteries? The, the gravestones that we saw, it was really poignant for me, especially mm. Edmonia Lewis's grave. Mm. Kind of forgotten and... Um, you know, covered in lawn clippings and yeah. not not really maintained at all. So we got to clean it off and <laughs> and give her our good wishes. And then next to that at the Kensal Green Cemetery, James Berry's delightfully just perfectly wonky yeah. stone. 
What really struck me was that if you walked past it, it just says Dr. James Berry, Inspector General of Hospitals. Mm. That's it. Yeah. You would never know. You just walk <laughs> by and you'd be like, hmm, that's some kind of Inspector General of Hospitals. What's he do? You would have no idea. Yeah. Ugh. Amazing. And then Highgate Cemetery. Yay. With Nikki Druce. Amazing. Boy, that was way wilder and <laughs> and more just cinematic than I was expecting. Yeah. Unbelievable. In the yeah. the mausoleums mm-hmm. in the dark. And then Claudia Jones, just left of Karl Marx. Hmm. And the the yellow roses that you mentioned in the episode. Yes. Carol Boyce Davies' yellow rose bush. Yes. Looming away. And our grand finale. Westminster Abbey, like no one gets to see Westminster Abbey. Like, with Aaron like literally no one gets to see <laughs> Westminster Abbey. If you're not the uh, queen, you haven't seen this before. <laughs> Four and a half hours of exploring that place. Hmm. I mean, can it even be described? I don't think so. It was it divine. And for me, one of the highlights was... Margaret Cavendish. Yeah. Seeing that inscription by William Cavendish on her tomb. Plotting how to get Caroline Herschel next to her brother and nephew. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that be great? We're, We're gonna, gonna do make it. it. Happen. Yeah. We're gonna do it. of an actual woman, which is really fantastic on a memorial, because most of them are symbolic of some sort of value or virtue. This is um, Queen Boudicca. And like, just look at this like sculpture, it's incredible. Yeah, she was distinguished by the purity of her taste and the soundness of her judgment. Her prudence and discrimination were in no instances more conspicuous than in selecting the objects of her extensive charity. The widow and the fatherless were protected and relieved, and the virtuous who had fallen from prosperity had peculiar claims to her benevolence. Though mild and gentle in her manner, yet she was remarkable for the firmness and vigor of her mind. Erin, mm-hmm. is this area normally open to visitors? Yeah, this is very private. Mm-hmm. You can pay to go This space was where Elizabeth Woodville, who was Edward IV's queen, she came and claimed sanctuary of the Abbey twice. Mm. And this is where she lived. So 
It's often on TV here and in films, you see Elizabeth Woodville claiming sanctuary and she's in like some dungeon with barrels around her, it looks <laughs> awful. But she was quite well looked after and it was quite luxurious. And Edward V was born here. Um, and it was also from here the second time she claimed sanctuary that those boys went to the Tower of London and were never seen again. Um, whether they were killed by Richard III or not, we don't know, but um, we also have in the Abbey the bones of two children that were found under a staircase in the Tower of London that may or may not be the princes in the Tower. Um, the Queen is, of course, she's called the visitor of the Abbey. The Abbey is a royal peculiar, so we don't report to the Archbishop of Canterbury, we report directly to the Queen, so the Dean's boss is the Queen. Um, and that means that we have like slightly more flexibility in rules in the Abbey. And one of the main functions of that is that we're able to say prayers in the Abbey from different faiths, which is absolutely fantastic. So we have a service called um, the Commonwealth Service because the Queen is the head of the Commonwealth, which is a family of 54 nations. And the sea of faiths within the Commonwealth is very, very diverse. And they're all represented at that service. And each year, different um, representatives will say prayers from their faith from the high altar in the abbey and it's a really really beautiful and um, moving part of the service so we've got this incredible library which when you go into it i just want to bottle the smell it's mm. oh it's just so nice i'm like if i could just have a hot beverage that smelled like that that would be like the most delicious thing so these tapestries um uh, there's, there's, more, there's another room down here called the Jerusalem Chamber, which is where the King James Bible was first read aloud, and that's also part of the demon. It was a, a glorious 10 days, and it almost feels like a dream now, but also when you pack each day so full like that, time mm. slows down, I swear. <laughs> and just by the end of day one, we were this... We were this family, you know, yeah. this tight little group it was just out on this adventure together. And looking back, I, I think it takes courage to take risks in life hmm. and to put yourself out there and, and do something far from the sodding crowd. <laughs> Everyone who took that leap with us, yeah. especially in such a... Uh, insecure year. Yeah. <laughs> there are kind of people. Yeah. And and the ladies we paid homage to on the trip. Mm. Same thing, you know. There are so many, so many marvelous people in the world. If we have the courage to put ourselves out there. Mm. Amen. Last but not least. Remember that headstone that we saw at Highgate Cemetery and we all, individually, we were all spread out, but we pretty much all of us were stopped in our tracks by it. Yes, should have been a marine oh. biologist. Oh my gosh, amazing. I've mm. been thinking about it ever since. So it's, it's just this tall, dark stone. Mm -hmm. Sally Hunter, 1958 to 2015. And then in all caps, LAWYER. And then in smaller text, should have been a marine biologist. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Oh, 
haunting. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Especially because she must have requested it. Yeah. Right? I don't think you'd put that on a stone yeah. <laughs> without the permission of the person. So she must have said, here's what I want on my stone. I wanted yeah. to say lawyer. Should have been a marine biologist. It was like a memento mori that, you, yeah. you know, we look at memento moris from the Middle Ages as we were going through these cathedrals. This is a modern memento mori. She's consciously saying to every person passing by, yeah. you got one life. Yeah. Go do the thing. What are you doing with it? <laughs> thank everybody involved in this trip. I want to thank you marvelous women who came along with us on this grand adventure. I want to thank our incredible guests and our geeky guides. Enthusiasm. Here, here. We're all just sort of bathing in the joy of learning and hmm. adventure. And there was a real sense of meaning in highlighting these stories of forgotten women and cleaning off their headstones, mm -hmm. you know, all of those different elements. I can't wait to do it again. This is absolutely one of the, the great joys of life. Agreed. Maybe if we hadn't dared to do it and if others hadn't dared to go with us, maybe our headstone would say, should have had <laughs> should a, have taken a it women's to history <laughs> podcast. <laughs> See, aren't you glad I forced you to do it as you claim? Do you know what? I am. Ha. I don't thank you for it enough. Thank you, <laughs> Olivia, for making me do this. You're the one who really made it happen. I don't, as you know, I don't like the spotlight. And being in front of people is not my jam. But you made me do it. Just like, like so many sisters in history, we yeah. have discovered our opposites make for a very, very interesting life when we combine our skills. Yeah. See, so and... thank you, Olivia. And thank you, full circle, to the gravestone marked only mother that I stumbled across in the old mm. miner's cemetery in mm. Boulder that filled me with fury and mm. got me on the phone in 45 seconds to you saying, we're doing it! <laughs> a podcast <laughs> about all of the women who we've never talked about! Aha. The forgotten women deserve to be talked about. Mm. I do love it, and the more stories we learn the more convinced I am we will never run out. Oh, yeah. There are so many interesting stories out there. <laughs> and on that note, more stories coming up in the second half of season 11 of What's Her Name podcast.
Registration is now open on What's Your Name's Yucatan Tour 2024. Join us in Mexico as we walk in the footsteps of Zazel Ha, learn traditional Mayan cooking, tour Mayan ruins, snorkel with sea turtles, and so many more off-the-beaten-track adventures with our wonderful little band of kindred spirits. Spots are going fast, so sign up now on our website at whatsyournamepodcast.com. We can't wait to see you there. <laughs>